Hey there, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people from Saskatchewan. Today we're chatting with Connexus's newest CEO, Selena Philpot, about growing up as a first-generation immigrant and the journey in the credit union system that brought her to Connexus. Let's get it started. All right, it's the last episode of 2022 and the season finale of the What Connects Us podcast powered by Connexus Credit Union. We've heard stories this season that have taken Saskatchewanians from Watrous to Nashville, and we've chatted about topics ranging from surviving the residential school system to navigating a critical illness while overseas. It's been another empowering, emotional, and educational season, and we've got one more episode for you before we wrap the season up. Today, we're talking with Selena Philpot about her journey to making her story as Connexus's first female CEO. Selena will chat about her origin story as a first-generation immigrant, the experience she accumulated in the credit union system, what it meant to her to become connected to the CEO, what her first few months have been like, and we'll also talk about what we can expect from her in the future. We have a lot to get through, so let's waste no more time and get to the conversation. What connects us to Selena? Let's find out. Selena Philpot, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast. Thank you for having me, Mason. So... Let's kick things off by ripping off the Band-Aid. I know that there is something that you're anxious about to reveal to the province. I want to give you that platform. What do you want Saskatchewan to know about you? Okay, be gentle. But I am a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan. (gasps) No! I said it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, how do you feel? Oh, like just relieved. It's like a secret that I've been holding. But my <laughs> license plates was giving me away. <laughs> right. What What is your license plate again? It says Winnipeg Blue Bombers, um, CFL champions. <laughs> it says all of that? Or is that just like the, the outskirts? Yeah, it's, it's one of those customized plates. So okay. it's got a lot going on there. But it definitely says Bombers. It says uh, Great Cup champions. So yeah. Awesome. All the pertinent stuff's on there. What was that like for you? Did you go to the game? I did, yeah, and oh, I God. have to say the fans were polite, but they were <laughs> not holding back cheering for the Argos. And I thought, come on, as Canadians, we we can all agree we don't like Toronto, right? right? Like sure. It was so <laughs> odd to see anyone cheer for Toronto, the center of the universe. You're so. negotiating with the fans. Well, I'm like, come on, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's the West is best, right? <laughs> yeah. Can we get some kind of cheer going? Nope, nope. <laughs> when it comes to the Bombers and the Riders, I don't think. It runs deep, yeah, yeah. yeah. My sister's a Bomber fan and, uh, like, true hardcore more than I am. Right. um, She's like, no way. Never cheer for the riders, no matter what. It's sacrilegious. That's right. It goes both ways. So uh, I got got schooled. Yeah. (laughs) All of the hospitality and the welcoming hospitality was used up on the Great Cup Festival. But then once the the game came, it was no holds barred. This is for keeps. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Well, you almost had three in a row. So you were being a little bit greedy. So it's time to spread the love. When you're good, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So now that the hard part's over, we know that that crucial part about you. Let's just jump in with a little bit of a a quick introduction. So tell us a little bit, who is Selena Philpot? Give me some background on who you are so we can better understand your story. Oh, so who am I? Um, I am uh, a daughter of immigrant parents. Um, My parents immigrated from Portugal in the early 70s. I am a middle child. Mm. So I've got three sisters. Um, I love dogs. I am a constant learner. I really enjoy school. My sisters used to tease me and say, when are you going to be done? I'm like, is there a done? I don't know. I think you just keep going and enlightenment and all that kind of stuff. So, and I like to listen to different podcasts that have a lot of context about just anything. Like I love the human condition. I love learning about cultures. 
I'm the person you want to call when you're playing Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. And you have a weird question. You're like, Selena will know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, my trivia team plays on Thursdays. So oh, you are welcome at our table anytime. Very cool. So yeah. what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? I love CBC Radio. I'm a huge CBC yeah. Radio fan. I love The Current yeah. with Matt Galloway. Love Matt Galloway. And I love Ideas by uh, Nala Ayad. Yeah. Yeah, she used to do the news as well. So I kind of, I'm a news hound, so I really like her program. Sure. And I loved Stuart McLean. Mm. Loved Stuart McLean, especially when my kids were little. We'd call him the storyteller. Yeah. Long trips that would just settle them out. And, you know, everyone could enjoy that on the radio. Yeah. So definitely loved Stuart McLean. Um, and I love, uh, yeah, any kind of... Like CBC podcast, I'm I'm really into it. Right, love yeah. that. I remember when um, we were kind of hosting an interview for people internally for employees, mm-hmm. and I asked you what's your Desert Island album, and you said, "Could I put together like an amalgamation of CBC Radio stories?" Yeah. And I'm like, "That's interesting." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Like a friend, right? Um, like someone talking to you, and I love talk radio, mm-hmm. and I love talk radio that really engages your mind and gets you to think. So yeah, you know, there's talk radio out there that's not so engaging right. um but yeah just you know you can still be active but your mind is engaged so totally. that's what i love about it especially on road trips when you're by yourself feels yeah. like you have a co-pilot in yeah your, in your absolutely seat. yeah that's yeah. awesome so you talked about how your parents are from portugal let's mm. let's dive into that a little bit so yeah. tell me a little bit about your parents and yeah. what brought them to canada well, um, my parents are actually from the island of the Azores, so I'm not so sure if everybody is familiar with the Azores. So What's that mean? That sounds mythical. It is. It's, uh, it's a very hidden little island uh, in the middle of the Atlantic. It's often referred to as Europe's Hawaii. Oh. So yeah, it's smack dab in the center of the Atlantic Ocean. It's made up of seven different islands, and my parents are from the largest one called uh, San Miguel. Okay. And my parents were, um, my dad was a dairy farmer back home. And my mom was a seamstress, and her mom made clothes out of her home. Yeah. So what brought them to Canada was economic reasons. So their government wasn't very, um, you know, encouraging of self-expression. It was a fascist government. Mm. So they really wanted a different opportunity for their family, and times were tough. Like my dad often says, can you imagine being miserable on an island? Yeah. Because that, that was our life. Yeah. Like, you're on an island, you should love it. Yeah. It was misery. Right. So uh, the economic conditions were really poor. So yeah. many, actually, in the 60s and 70s, there was a massive migration out of Portugal. And primarily, it was from um, folks that lived on the Azor Islands. Mm. So it was Very. U.S. and Canada, primarily. Never heard of that place before. That's you so gotta interesting. you got to check it out. It's beautiful. Well, it sounds abu- <laughs> like amazing. Maybe not yeah. the culture, but uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So... Tell me what brought them to Canada and what that was like. So you talked about they needed to escape, tough times. Why Manitoba? Well, interesting. So I'll go back to why Canada. So at the time, uh, Trudeau Sr. was very encouraging of immigration. Mm. So there, it was very well known throughout Europe that Canada was welcoming new immigrants. And in particular for you who had a skill. So my mom was a seamstress mm. and she had this um, kind of certification being a seamstress so that was a way for her to immigrate to Canada why Manitoba and I often ask my my parents why <laughs> you don't even speak English <laughs> Montreal would have been way easier sure. um they had my dad's um aunt was in Winnipeg yeah so she basically was the sponsor for my mom oh so my dad actually stayed behind because he had um a military service he had to complete so there was no getting out of that so wow. he had to stay and she came earlier and yeah met her uh soon to be you know family member but my mom didn't even know what my aunt looked like oh wow (laughs) so because she had been in Canada for many years and 
So my mom got to the Winnipeg airport. She used to say, I don't even know how I got there because <laughs> I didn't even know where Canada was, this right. way, that way. And yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Do you know what season she came in? Did she yes, come in winter? she came in November. Oh no, the worst time. <laughs> the worst time. And yeah. she wore this little white sweater and a dress and she saw all this white stuff outside and she said, this is the land of opportunity. Salt everywhere. Salt. You just take <laughs> it and, and you can use it. Yeah. <laughs> she said, I put my finger in it and she's like, it was not salt. That is some cold salt. Yeah. <laughs> some cold salt. Yeah. So she said to herself, what have I done? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Let's keep going west. Let's try BC next Let's time. try going to BC. Yeah, um, so that's kind of where it all started. Awesome. That's, that's why Winnipeg. Yeah. So is your family watching the World Cup? Are we yes. big Portugal fans oh, right now? Oh, huge. Yeah. yeah. My dad is a huge uh, soccer fan. Yeah. And even as a kid, he used to have this like radio that he would try to get a signal from Europe. Yeah. Every Sunday morning, 5.30 in the morning, this crackly sound as he's playing with these, <laughs> yeah. you know, connecting pieces trying to get this game and yeah it's like dad not again he's yeah. like Shh, i'm trying to listen <laughs> yeah. you're listening for like between the snow like yeah totally <laughs> like, that's all he was looking for yeah. and if they won we had a great day and if he if the <laughs> yeah. team didn't win we had a really bad day my mom would say don't talk to him yeah I'm like oh it's gonna be one of those days yep yeah, yeah he's huge sounds fan. like any writer family as well oh, yeah here. We, we could all relate, you can relate to that yeah. oh that's awesome yeah. so mm-hmm. how would you compare and contrast portuguese culture with West- western canadian culture Mm, that's uh, that's a really good question. So I guess being from Europe, there's similarities. However, um, I think what's different, even for me growing up, is just that closeness of family, and mm. really that family is everything. Not that it's not like that in North America, but really it's the extended family. Yeah, so I find with North American culture, it's your nuclear family, and then you have your extended family. Right. In Portuguese culture, it is the family. So nuclear cousins, second cousins, like we all treat each other like family. Yeah. And family really is the core of everything. Uh, and there's that strong kind of connection to your religion too, which kind of supports that um, you know connection to family. So sure. I'd have to say that. So like even as an example, when our, our folks get elderly, um, they tend to live with your family. Yeah. So the concept of them living by themselves or on their own, it just is something that's foreign to us. Right. Very yeah. interesting. So what was life like growing up and how did that play into your story? <laughs> That was interesting. Um, yeah, uh, we were considered a little bit odd compared to our friends. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we weren't allowed to do a whole lot of things. Like playing outside in winter, my grandparents were terrified of winter. And okay. They'd say, well, you're d- going to die. <laughs> 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 so we were not allowed to play outside. So winter, we basically hibernated because it sure. was just too dangerous. They okay. didn't understand. And so <laughs> outside was not allowed. Um, sports was something that my parents also struggled with. You know, my dad is a farmer and he'd always say, you know, people who do sports are those who have leisure time and we are workers. There is no leisure time. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want to play, go sweep the kitchen for your mother, you know, so things like that. <laughs> you want to curl? Go sweep yeah, the kitchen. That's yeah, that's exactly it. You want to curl? Go sweep the kitchen for your mother. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, we, we did speak a different language. Like my sisters and I, our first language was not English. It was Portuguese. So yeah. my sister, my older sister struggled the most trying mm-hmm. to acclimatize with the language. Yeah. But um, yeah, with each other, we kind of spoke Portuguese and we're a little bit kind of sheltered to a certain degree. We weren't exposed to a lot of uh, North American cultures. So like even the Christmas thing, like Santa Claus, that wasn't a thing. (laughs) We're like, why are people talking about this? This doesn't make any sense. A guy that comes down the roof, that's (laughs) weird. Um, You know, it was all around the birth of Christ. You know, we're Catholic and and that's really what it was all about. So yeah, just some of those little nuances were interesting. And then my parents, again, being uh, not from here, didn't understand a lot of the customs like, 
camping was a weird one. You're going to do what? You're yeah. going to sleep outside? Well, <laughs> people back home who didn't have homes had to do that. Why do you want to do that? 100%. <laughs> this doesn't make this any isn't sense. fun. <laughs> this isn't fun. People uh, have to do it on necessity. You should be grateful you don't have to sleep outside. Yeah. So look, little odd things like that. But, you know, as <laughs> we got older and got more exposed to, yeah. you know, what our friends were doing, my parents did lighten up a little. True. But, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Do you think that's how you became such a, a learner? Because you weren't going outside. You yes. So inside you were reading books, things telling stories, things like that. Yeah, definitely telling stories. And I remember my grandfather was really strict on this. He made us watch TV. And you're thinking, what? Your grandfather made you watch TV? Yes, PBS and CBC Kids, Sure, we had to watch. The yeah. pediatrician said, you need to learn English. You have to watch Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, you know, Mr. Dress Up and all those different shows so that we could improve our English. So... Yeah, we did a lot of that and just played. Like, we had to use our imagination. When we, I remember my older sister and I, we had, like, a Barbie between the two of us. Oh, really? You yeah. had to share a Barbie? We had to share a Barbie. So, you know, <laughs> we didn't really have a lot of toys like that. You know, we'd have some, but not, not in excess. So we'd use our imagination. So yeah. we'd make up games or, you know, we'd do put on little theaters for my grandfather and make right. him watch and he'd be, like, bored. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he'd sit there and pretend he was entertained. But, yeah, um, yeah we, we really used our imagination. We played a lot with the kids in the neighborhood, just, you know, make up tag games or whatever. Like, we just yeah. learned to kind of make fun and, and make our own games. 100%. Yeah, it was good. What was your agreement to share custody with Barbie? Did oh, you get them in the Well, weekends? my older sister always won. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she was bigger than me, so she yeah. always won. And, uh, you know, truth be told, my favorite toy as a child was a calculator. I know this is nerdy. Oh, no. I know, but it, it, I just loved this calculator because it would give you like a math problem. And when you got it right, it would like uh, a little face on the calculator that would light up and smile. Oh, so there was like nice. positive reinforcement. <laughs> and I'm like learning. So I'm like, I love this thing. I can, you know, I pretended it was, you know, my phone or my cash register. I just, sure. you know, use my imagination. I had buttons. It was cool. 100%. Uh, yeah. So that was one of my favorite toys. So yeah, Barbie, yeah. I'm like, eh, well, she can have it. <laughs> I feel like every kid goes to that cash register stage yeah, in kindergarten. Totally. Like how thrilling it is to like punch things in. Yeah. You, you've been to the grocery store. You've seen <laughs> that. And to like, for the, like the, the I don't know what that's called, the the drawer to slide yeah, out. It's the thrilling. Cash yeah, it's thrilling. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so what's it yeah. like to go to school and then come home and experience those two different cultures? You talked about at Christmas time. Yeah. You're probably getting your coloring sheets in kindergarten with sand on it. You're like, this isn't Jesus. <laughs> what what right. is this? What, what's that like for well, you? Well, it was like my grandfather would often say, what's your uh, madam teacher teaching you? Like nonsense. Teacher. <laughs> <laughs> your te madam teacher isn't teaching you anything. I'm going to teach you things that are relevant. So yeah, yeah that was always funny. Um, yeah, I guess you just learn to get accustomed to, you know, we'd say our English friends do this. Sure. <laughs> and we do that. So, um, yeah. And then again, over time, there was a bit of a blend. But uh, yeah. at first, it was like, what's this nonsense you guys yeah. are speaking of? So, yeah. That's kind of cool. You're kind of teaching your, your family as well yeah. about Canadian culture and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. They still hated winter, though. Never but, got Oh, yeah. Outside. 100%. <laughs> your neighbors would have been like, where did the Philpots go? Like, yeah. Yeah. We, haven't we haven't seen them since October. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're yeah. hiding. That's yeah. funny. Awesome. <laughs> so is there a difference between how money is perceived between cultures and how it's utilized? Um, I wonder if this really is a cultural difference because my dad would tell you today, you know, Europe, where Portugal's part of the European Union, 
very different than the sense and sensibility that Canadians just have. Mm. And I wonder, uh, for instance, you know, no offense, my Portuguese colleagues around the world, but it's kind of live for today, you know, Ah, money, whatever. Uh, Enjoy yourself. Um, I I don't know if it's an immigrant experience and maybe more of a connected Canadian experience. We have to really work hard for every dollar. Mm. So there isn't this um, enjoy yourself all the time. It's work really hard, save, and then you've earned an opportunity to enjoy when you're on vacation, mm-hmm. not vacations every day. And you have to be really good with how you manage your money. So mm. again, my grandfather, all these great sayings, it's not much how much you earn, it's how much you save. That's, a, a, you know, an assessment of the quality of your character. Right. So I, I think maybe it could be more of a united kind of immigrant experience because you come to a new country not knowing anyone. My dad often says I had 10 cents in my uh, pocket to make a phone call. Oh my gosh. That's it. Like they started with zero. So there's, and, and again, back home, it was... It was hard. Like, there wasn't a lot of money. If you didn't grow something, you didn't eat it. Like, going to a store to buy something, that was just unheard of. So there's just the sensibility of how hard you need to work for your money and how you need to make it stretch and your obligation to your family to support them. That's very core. That was kind of my upbringing with uh, my relationship with money. So did you have a lot of conversations at the dinner table about mm-hmm. money? Often. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Really? My dad would get upset with us. Uh, <laughs> you left the lights on. Uh, do you want to pay for the hydro bill this yeah. month? I'm like, yeah. oh, no, it's just one time. Yeah. No, you're going to get, uh, you know, one third of this hydro bill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I won't do it again. <laughs> That's coming from your allowance. Yeah. Allowance. That didn't happen. We oh, didn't get really? allowance. Oh, gosh. No, no, no. We didn't do allowance okay. because we got to live, you know, free house and board. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there was no such thing as allowance. Um, but we had to do our chores and keep up. And right. yeah, so very different sensibility there. Big time. Mm-hmm. So for anyone whose family lineage has been predominantly from Canada, like myself, mm-hmm. what's something we should know about Canadians or families building a life in Canada to help to help us empathize with their journey and how can we best support them? What's the core to any new um, Canadian is having that sense of community. Mm. Because when they come from their um, home to Canada, everything is different. So navigating basic things is so challenging because the language is a barrier. Um, You know, even the kind of institutions that are available to them are different. It's having that sense of community and just having that neighbor to help guide. Right. Like I know when I was a kid, we had a, a neighbor and she would often give my dad some guidance and counsel about just you know, where to where do you buy a car? Yeah. Um, you know, where does one find a doctor? You mm-hmm. know, all those kind of things. Uh, what's the best place to shop for groceries? You know, all those little things that really get people comfortable with their day-to-day lives. And then they kind of, through that, start building community. True. So having that community is really important. I was just in New York, and the first time I was there, I was traveling alone. The first day I was there, I was so overwhelmed and intimidated, mm-hmm. and it's it felt like a completely different world. So to extrapolate that over a brand new country and a brand new lifestyle, yeah. you can empathize with how intimidating that would be. So building that community to help guide would just mean the world to them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I always think to myself, like immerse me in a culture where the language is so different that I can't even try to make out what people are speaking. Right. It's, um, it is, it's a challenge and very humbling and can make you feel isolated. Big time. Mm-hmm. A big thing that happens in these episodes, whether it's talking to someone struggling with vision loss or talking to someone who just lost their, their family to cancer or something like that. It's how can I best support you? It's just asking authentically, how can I best support you? So if you're a new Canadian, 
that question might just mean the world to you, to somebody authentically wants to help you and guide you through these first scary steps. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of pride there. I know my father always had trouble asking for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if someone can offer, um, it goes a long way. Big time. Yeah. So what lessons and teachings has being a first generation immigrant taught you? Oh, um, kind of probably the core that I've learned is um, life is what you make of it. Mm. You've got to work hard. Uh, don't think, don't take anything for granted. And um, what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. And remember that it takes a village. Yeah. Love that. Okay, let's take a quick break. Selena's referenced a number of different times how tough it is to establish yourself in a new country as an immigrant. To help us break down what steps someone should take to establish their financial well-being as a new Canadian citizen, I reached out to Cody Hart. Cody is a financial advisor and has some really great insight. Take it away, Cody. Thank you so much, Mason. And what a great question. Uh, As someone new to the country, here are a few steps to take as you begin your journey to being financially well. You know, establish that solid relationship with the financial institution. Try to be as vulnerable as possible. You know, don't be afraid to ask those questions uh, because it is okay to be vulnerable with that trusted financial advisor. It's important to know that no one size fits all. Your financial advisor will and would work with you to create that tailored plan that suits your needs. Also important to create that starting point. You know, find that comfortability level and find what works best for you. Be ready to put that effort in and allow that support along the way. Really stick to the plan. Take things slow and be open to learning on your new financial journey. You can also become involved and take part in some of the community involvement courses that are provided. Utilize those financial tools that your financial institution has to offer. You know, staying consistent with these tips, you know, would definitely help you set yourself up for success. And uh, keep in mind that at Connexus, your financial well-being is our priority. Here in Regina, you know, we have what's called the Regina Open Door Society. Um, it'd be important, you know, that you reach out to find those organizations in your area and really, really utilize those options. Thanks, Cody. Whether you're someone new to the country or you're looking for ways to support someone who just arrived, Cody just broke down a quick checklist to help get started in establishing your financial well-being in Saskatchewan. We're just getting started with our conversation with Selena, so let's get back to it. So let's turn the chapter into this next part of your story. Let's talk about life prior to Connexus. So I'd love to get a sense of your career path. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me what your first job was. Oh, my first job was working at Bootlegger. Really? <laughs> yeah, besides babysitting gigs. Yeah, uh, yeah Bootlegger, uh, the jeans store was, uh, love that job. She's yeah. 15 years old. I'm like, all these awesome clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I'd say it was a dream job at 15. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those days where I hit the pavement with my cousin looking, you know, I applied at all these different places. And I got an interview at Bootlegger and the woman's like, oh, but you don't have any experience. And I thought to myself, what do I got to lose? So if no one gives me a job, I'll never get experience. So how am I going to get started? She's like, yeah, you're right. I like that. Yeah. You can start Monday. I was yeah. floored. I thought she was going to tell me, get out of here. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what? I got the job. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because it was not your typical retail job. There was a sales component required. Big time. So yep. if you didn't sell what your requirement was, you didn't get hours and then eventually they'd say okay this isn't working out yeah. so it, it wasn't just running the you know the till um i actually had to engage with people so that was a real challenge so although i was really um, eager i didn't know how to sell anything right, right? so you, i always remember my uh, sales leader saying to me early on 
uh, no one's born to be a salesperson. You just have to learn how to do it. Okay. And I can teach you how to do that. Sure. I'm like, thank goodness. Like, I was shy. Um, but I got to tell you, I was a cleaner. Yeah. I cleaned that store really good. <laughs> how many pairs of jeans do you think you folded in your lifetime? Oh, my gosh. Thousands. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never got boring. I loved clothing. I loved arranging them. I loved yeah. guiding people to make good choices, providing options. So I think that salesperson was always in there. I yeah. just had to overcome a little bit of shyness. True. Um, yeah, and it was it was interesting because it was a, a ladies' and men's store. So I had to understand how to you know size um, appropriately and help men find clothing right. and I'm like my dad wouldn't wear anything in this store sure <laughs> I don't know how to do this so a uh, little intimidating but you know again good guidance good teaching understanding my products it's your sales 101 yeah uh, I learned to love the job and I did it all through university. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That was back in the golden days of like bootlegger, yeah. blue notes, brick and mortar. Le Chateau. Le Chateau. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent at the malls, oh, different yeah. things like that. The mall was happening. Yeah, Big time. Was a cool job. Yeah. So tell me who was Selena just coming out of high school and what first steps did you take in your career outside of bootlegger? Outside of bootlegger. Uh, I've always, uh, I guess this is a bit odd for for many, uh, I'm working through with my kids right now. What do you want to be when you grow up? I always knew I wanted to do something to do with business. Okay. So I had a calculator a was the a calculator. Good yeah. I was getting the smiley faces when I got the math right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, this is positive reinforcement. Does your CFO now, whenever you start crunching <laughs> numbers, they they light up like a Christmas tree? Are they? Do they provide you that smile of validation? Yes, Neil yeah. always provides me good validation. So thank, thank you, Neil. Neil. Yeah. yeah. So um, I always kind of had an idea of what I wanted. So in high school, I was just planning out my university career. So knew I wanted to go into business, uh, business, so I went to the University of Manitoba and took my commerce degree. I started off in the area of accounting. Like, I thought I was going to be an accountant because, okay. you know, your guidance counselor sir, has that session with you and asks a bunch of questions and says, well, these are the jobs that would be good for you. Yeah. I remember we did it once, and she's like, oh, something went wrong. We'll have to do it again. I'm like, oh, okay. Sure. So we went through all over again. My answers were the same. Yeah. She's like, this is very unusual. You only have one opportunity. I'm like, really? She's like, usually you get more than one. Yeah. I said, what is it? She's like, accountant. I'm like, okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> then it's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an accountant. So right. anyways, that's what I thought I wanted to do. But as you know, you get exposed to different things within uh, your education, I decided to take a little bit of a different path, yeah. still in the in commerce. And you filled out the balance sheet and you're like, where's my happy face? Yeah, like, this well, balanced. here's the problem. <laughs> I did a lot of abstract math. I did statistics and I did yeah. like a, uh, quite a bit of math through the science department. <laughs> so abstract math, you know, derivatives and, um, you know, statistics. The slope. Oh, all those kind of good <laughs> things. I'm like, this is rock and roll. Algebra, yeah. I love this stuff. And then I get into accounting and it's all rule-based. And I'm like, say what? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember a prof saying to me, why are you complicating this? I'm like, well, there's got to be an angle yeah. here. He's like, no, it's a debit and a credit. You're just making it too complicated. Yeah, but the limit does not exist. <laughs> Where's the limit? Do I have to prove something? He's like, no, it's just follow the rules. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe that's what I'm struggling with. Right. I, I like to kind of think outside the box a little bit too much. So appreciate the profession, absolutely. Um, but just thought, yeah, I don't know if this is for me. Sure. So just started to take a bit of a different path. Uh, went into um, um, human resources, actually. It's, okay. That was where I kind of did a major. I did a double major in human resources, and then in economics. So awesome. economics gave me that macro level, that hard, you know, high level thinking. Yep. Um, and then the human resources was just a nice kind of combination to people, which is a variety of life as, yep. as I can see it. That's, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so you're not thinking so coldly from a economics point of view numbers yeah. but you can also pull in that soft skills and yeah. learning and the people humanizing it that's awesome mm -hmm. so tell me about how we got started with 
Assiniboine Credit Union. You've spent 15 years there. I did. Give me a glimpse into your time there and how it laid that foundation for you to continue in the credit union system. So that kind of came about, I'll give you a little bit of backstory there. It came about with me looking for a summer job to augment the bootlegger thing. Sure. Um, because I'm like, oh, you know, as a university student, I'm out by, you know, mid-April, you know, I need like two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I got to pay for school. Yeah. So I have sent out so many applications and um, I thought, oh, no one's calling me back. So one day I got three calls. One of them was from a little credit union called Burns Employees Credit Union, okay. which was a closed bonded uh, credit union in the Burns Meat Plant where my father worked. So the lady offered me a job and said, you can start Monday. I'm like, okay, got my you know, other job for the summer. I'm good to go. Same day Manitoba Hydro called, and uh, that was when I still was on the path of being an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we have this job for you, and we, we sponsor you, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I, I can't do it. And I remember the recruiter really? saying, do you know this is Manitoba Hydro calling? Nobody says no to us. I'm like, um, I gave my word. Interesting. <laughs> the lady said I have to start on Monday, and this was like Friday at like quarter to five. There was yeah. no way for me to call the woman back, and he said, okay, well, remember, if you say no to me, you won't hear back from me. Wow. So he hung up and like, what have I done? Yeah. And of course, my father gets home and I'm telling him, he's like, call Hydro back. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so couldn't get a hold of him. So that's how my career kind of started in the credit union system because of that um, point in time. That's so interesting. Like you think yeah. about the, the butterfly effect of yeah. like what happens if that phone call would have came a half hour sooner. I would have been working at Hydro. I would have been an accountant. Who knows where you'd be <laughs> right now? Very interesting. Yeah, most likely. That's yeah. where I would have been. So uh, so started at this little closed bonded credit union and it got acquired by Assiniboine Credit Union. Awesome. So that's how I kind of got my start at Assiniboine and yeah, spent, I grew up at Assiniboine Credit Union, which is a great environment for someone who is really eager to learn. And a, as a credit union, what I really enjoyed about the environment, it really allowed folks to kind of choose your own adventure. Um, I had a couple of uh, friends through university that went through the bank programs and mm. they trained people really, really well. They had like a management program, like sign here. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to just take your path. I think I want to figure out my own. Right. So again, decided to stick it out with a credit union. But what I really appreciated was the variety of opportunities that mm. um, Cinemoyne offered me. And I really grew up with the organization. So yeah. uh, I was one of those who wants to do this. I'll do it. Sure. So as long as you were eager, they were very um, supportive of helping you get experience. Experience. And um, yeah, it was a it was a great organization to learn. Awesome. Do you think your past at Bootlegger, learning to lean into conversations, to have those conversations, being less shy about it, Absolutely. really helped you put that hand up and oh. really take those opportunities? Absolutely. Yeah. At, when I started even at the Burns Employees Credit Union, yeah. um, I had to talk to members and there wasn't really a sales focus at the credit union. And here I am, all yeah. of 18 years old. And I said to my leader, um, I think we could sell more product if we actually talk to our members. Sure. She's like, why? I'm like, well, because isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was looking at the financial statements. They weren't looking good. Right. So I'm like, you know, we should probably give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Just the culture wasn't there, small bonded, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, we got acquired. I wasn't surprised. Right. Um, but even then I'm like, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way to help our members and, you know, bring our products and service to, to them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that sales piece kind of got awakened in yeah. the bootlegger and definitely helped me throughout my credit. Awesome. Career. It's been a thread, no pun intended. Yeah, no moving pun forward. intended. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you bet, you bet. So Tell me a little bit about, you spent 15 years there, mm -hmm. and then in March of 2011, yeah. you had the opportunity to take on a really big career step about mm -hmm. um, become the vice president of corporate development for Steinbeck Credit Union. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Mm, that was super exciting. Um, yeah, I was in the marketing team at Assiniboine, kind of doing my thing, and, and looking for that next big challenge, right? Sure. Um, and it 
this happened that there was an opportunity at Steinbeck Credit Union and I applied and it was um, VP of Corporate Development. So at the time I'm like, I'm not sure what that would be. It sounds like it's got a sales slant to it. Mm-hmm. I'm up, you know, sure. I'm up for that. Yep. And uh, actually what it was, was um, administration was under the portfolio as well as project management. And at Cinnabon Credit Union, I had stood up the project management office. So I thought, well, that that's great. And I'm used to the administration related to credit union. So this sounds like a, a nice fit and just yeah. an opportunity to kind of get into that area of the credit union a little deeper, you know, kind of mm-hmm. around the, um, my resume. So I was starting to get a little comfortable at Cinnabon, which I love. But at the same time, you know, I thought I'm getting too comfortable. I still need to kind of stretch. Like, yeah. Again, I'm always looking to stretch and learn. So I'm like, "Mm, I think I just want something completely different. Like start all over again. Mm -hmm. New culture, new people, um, new city with Steinbeck. Still had offices in Winnipeg. But really, that's this is going to be a culture shift for me. And that's exactly what I was looking for and learned a ton at Steinbeck Credit Union. Um, All that newness that I was looking for and the challenge of trying to integrate into a new culture. Credit Union, yes, but still every credit union, every community has its own. Every job has its own. Yeah, every job has its own kind of culture. Um, A really awesome opportunity and I really enjoyed my time there. So big projects coming my way and um, yeah, it was the right timing for me. So it was really good. I liked what you said about stretching. Like stretching's important. I'm getting to the age where you need to stretch. You, you might hurt a, stretch. hurt a hamstring or something like <laughs> yeah. that. But also stretching and stretch opportunities and growth opportunities are important as well. Yeah. It, the moment you feel comfortable, you should ask yourself, do I want to feel comfortable? Should I, what, what does that look like for you? What is that kind of voice in the back of your head saying, okay, Selena, it's time to look for some growth opportunities? Yeah, because um, it's almost like I had a, once a leader say to me, and uh, this is early on in my career, so that is that a Cinnamon Credit Union, another very influential leader for me. Her name is Carolyn Rogers. You might know her. Okay. She's the Deputy Minister of um, the Bank of Canada. Amazing. Yeah. So she was very uh, big influence in my career development, too, and I... We worked really well together, and I was her executive assistant when mm-hmm. she was the sales leader. And she said to me one day, Selena, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you've outgrown this job. Wow. It's time for you to move on. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. So she kind of gave me that nudge um, to kind of keep challenging myself, be hungry. You don't know what you're going to learn unless you put yourself in a completely different environment. And, and she was really a role model for me. She took on lots of different challenges yeah. and wasn't afraid to kind of take something new on. I really admired that about her. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take what I've learned from her, that that nudge. And I think that's kind of what got me started. Very cool. Yeah. So always looking to challenge myself because yeah. then growth and development kind of stops. Or, or I wouldn't say stops, but it settles out. Yeah. And that trigger for me is like, oh, I'm trying to like kind of grow beyond my job, trying to challenge myself outside of yeah. kind of my mandate, if you will. And, and that's what she had recognized in me. She's like, you're kind of moving beyond the job description. Sure. You're doing all sorts of different things. It's good. Yeah. But she's like, it's time for you to go. So she helped me recognize that where it's time to take something on. So if anybody is at that intersection right now where they're mm-hmm. feeling like I'm ready for change, but I kind of want to stay in my swim lane, but I also want to try growing from somebody like you who's done it a number of different times, what would you tell them? Just um, listen to yourself. So there's something that's going on within you that um, you're not really sure what it is, but but lean into it. Mm. Listen to yourself. What Make a bit of a pros and cons list. That's kind of what I often yeah. do. What am I really enjoying? What would I like to experience? What am I a little bit worried about? And look at the what am I worried about part and say, well, how can I overcome that? If that's what's holding me back, I need to find strategies to kind of overcome that. Yeah. And always look at the opportunity and change instead of just change which can be scary because it's the unknown yeah 
So it's like um, always look at it as a glass half full mm-hmm. instead of half empty. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change can be scary, but yeah. once you take that step, you feel that pride in yourself that like I did this, I took that step. Yeah, yeah. awesome. It's like what what's behind that door? Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous about opening it, but wow, you can discover new things. Yeah. It's taking that chance. Yeah. For sure. So you spent 11 and a half years with Steinbeck Credit Union. Mm-hmm. What was your key highlight? Oh, so many. Uh, it was just a really good time in my career and just some of the, the um, challenges the credit union was working through that I just found it was a really great fit for me mm-hmm. and um, what I could offer. So oh, there, there was a lot of them. Um, I'd say probably one was just the transformation of our project management office. It was a little engine that could. Okay. And we just took it from a real hardworking group to being really core to the organization to help implement uh, large corporate projects with a lot of um, discipline and um, emphasis on change management and warranty to support people through change. So I just so proud of that um, little group that could and uh, was able to accomplish so much. Um, Our administration team, huge change when I got there. They were used to a decentralized model and um, I got there at the really early days of trying to centralize that. It was tough. There was a lot of change um, folks were nervous. Um, we changed everything, you know, yeah. going from decentralized to centralized. Just super proud of all of the people in that group who were really nervous and um, were willing to go through that journey. We had lots of discussions, and I just met with them and said, you know, as a team, what are you worried about? What are you scared of change and this? And everything's going to be different. And I just committed to them, I'll be with you along this journey. Mm. Um, I want you to come with me. I know it's scary. I have some answers. I don't have them all, (laughs) which kind of probably made them more scared. (laughs) But I'm committed to seeing this through and being there along with you lockstep. And I'm just so proud of that group. They came through it and they're, again, a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. So efficient. Um, They've been able to deliver so much on the positive member experience that I believe the members at Steinbeck Credit Union received. They just work really closely with that front-end sales team. Their member... Uh, it's our member, and they really are committed to that. So really proud of that group. So you talked a little bit about how you ask questions about mm-hmm. what are you afraid of? Change is scary. Change is scary for a lot of people. Yeah. As a leader, how do you inspire that change and influence change so that the organization jumps on board and is excited about that change with you? What's your key to success there? My key to success is being authentic always, mm. um, being transparent I'm not going to just say it's all going to be fantastic. You know, it'd be crazy if you just didn't go along with it. Sure. <laughs> um, I try to create a compelling vision. I outline the opportunity, but acknowledge the, the concerns. Mm. I think that's what people need is acknowledgement. Like, okay, that sounds good, but it's still scary. Right. So I, I try to be real and authentic and say, I, I can appreciate that change is scary. So let's talk about some of the things that you're worried about yeah. and try to work with them to overcome some of them. And again, that commitment to be, you know, I've, I'm here with you. Yeah. So we're going to work through this together and things are not always going to be great. We'll regroup, but my commitment is to be there lockstep with you. Awesome. So pausing to lean into that hard conversation. Absolutely. You yeah. have to address it. Big time. Yeah. Love that. So that's 25 years in the credit union system for yeah. anybody keeping track on the calculator. <laughs> Hopefully the 25, once you punch that in, you got a happy face. <laughs> got a happy face. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, prior to joining Connexus, 25 years, that's awesome. Yeah. Looking back at this quarter of a century, tell me a highlight or an obstacle that pops out when I say people and culture. Yeah, people and culture. So an obstacle, um, I would say, was... Um, 
just moving, and this is general, experience it through um, all the organizations or credit unions I worked at, so it wasn't unique to one. Just making that transition from a transactional service culture mm. and how we serve members to being a needs-based sales culture. Right. Um, very challenging. Um, because within a service, you're very efficient, you're polite, but you're really not meeting that full need of the member, just like I said at the Burns Employees Credit Union. Sure. I think we would do better if we offered more services and products. To them, yeah. yeah, just talk to them because I'm and you know, they have needs. We're yeah. just, you know, cashing the check and saying bye. Like I don't yeah. know, we could do more. Right. Um, they've chosen to be members here. Like we've got to be more to them, right? Yeah. So just making that transition is challenging because it does require a bit of reskilling and retooling. Like I said, no one's born a salesperson. Right. Um, what do you think the hesitancy is to come off as a salesperson or to drive that perception of mistrust perhaps when you're when you're chatting with them about their needs what yeah. do you think that hesitancy is it's kind of that what pops into your head when you say sales has a bit of a negative connotation yeah, like slimy yeah kind of, oh yeah. here comes a used car salesman all right. slick shiny shoes they're going to sell me something i don't need sure so i think there's just a negative connotation with the word sales but if if you kind of work through that and say well sales can be helping mm -hmm. sales is driven by the need so what i'm looking to do is to at the end of the day, the outcome is a sale, right? Because <laughs> right? you're a business, you offer products and services. Um, but it's the process by which you get to that that is different and can be really uh, authentic. And it's needs-based. So I'm not going to offer something or sell something to you that you don't need. That's the used car salesman experience because you're not listening. Yep. This thing is on sale. You know, it's got this much horsepower. You're like, whoa, I don't even know what that means. And right. Oh, it's off. It's on sale. It's That's like, intimidating. Yeah, just, yeah. Just buy it. Sign here. You know, yeah. two knives come with it. It's like, well, I, I don't want knives. Like it seems <laughs> <Knives>. like, <laughs> right? Like late night TV. 100%. <laughs> buy one now and we'll give you two knives. That's yeah. right. Free <laughs> delivery. Do it now. Do it now. Um, so it's that kind of culture of, oh, sales is pushy. Sales is just you know, um, making me take things or buy things I don't need. Um, there's always kind of mistrust about the salesperson themselves, what's motivating you to do this. Yeah. So if if you do it in a, uh, you know, an authentic way and, and it is needs-based, I just want to help you. You've got a need, um, Mason, that I'm trying to uncover. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't have to come across that way. And really what you're looking for is a lifelong members, right? Mm -hmm. Even when I was in retail, um, my, you know, uh, mentors taught me, you don't want that return sale because mm. that's a sour experience. You want a repeat customer. Yeah. And I think with financial services, it's more deep. It's deeper than retail, right? You right. can buy a top here. You can buy it somewhere else. But even in my retail environment, I had people that would come back and want to get advice from me. Yeah. Because they trusted me. Yeah. Um, and I wanted repeat members or in that case it was customers. Mm -hmm. So it's the same kind of idea. I want to go on this life journey, your financial life journey, and I want to be that trusted advisor for you yep. the only way you do that is to earn that and to provide good products and services that meet the need yeah. and only then have you earned the right to talk to the member about something else so important yeah Tr treat that trust like it's gold Huge. yeah it's it's the core the foundation is it ever so let's talk about chapter three mm -hmm. your transition to connexus so give us a really quick snapshot what was selena's world like prior to you learning about the opportunity at connexus uh, doing my thing, you know, uh, just doing, my, yeah, thing. doing yeah. my thing, raising <laughs> my boys, um, you know, doing the work that was um, still engaging at SCU. And uh, I was in retail sales and marketing and um, it was good. It was fun. It was exciting. Different challenges to kind of work through. But I was feeling that tinge again. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, this is getting comfortable. You know, different business problem. You don't always have the rules figured out. And 
went through COVID, thought that was enough change. Um, Woof. Yeah. Uh. And I was doing my master's degree while COVID was happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I drew a short straw. I had the retail branches and I also <laughs> had communications. So I'm like, wow. Sure. And I'm doing an, a master's degree. This is awesome. Yeah. So you think that would you know, be enough, but I just felt that tinge again. Yeah. It can be overpowering. Hey? Yeah. It's yeah. time. You know, you're getting comfortable. You know, it's good here. You really like the people. Of course, I still miss the people. Right. Um, it's hard to leave all that bis behind doing the pros and cons yeah. list and um, it's here again. Yep. I, I just know me. It's time. My dad always says, oh, you're the one that doesn't let moss grow under your feet. I'm like, no. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always need something. Time you know, to move. It's time yeah. to move. I'm getting a little too comfortable. Um, I want to challenge myself in a different way. So yeah, yeah it awesome. was starting to happen. So what first drew you to apply at Connexus here? Oh, the reputation. So in the system, Connexus's reputation is really positive, um, a progressive credit union, very member-centric, um, deep-rooted in their community. Just the values, the cooperative principles were just evident in, you know, the messaging that was out um, in the marketplace or it within the credit union system. So just a really solid reputation. Mm. And I thought, mm, Regina, Winnipeg, there's some similarities there, right? <laughs> Prairie Town. Oats. They may not want to admit it, but they're yeah, the same. Come on, yeah. we put up barns. We all know we do it. <laughs> Winnipeg and Regina are very much like brother-sister relationships. Yeah. It's like, I can pick on you, you can pick on me, yeah. but do not come for us or I will come for you. Yeah, yeah. well, and when it really got gets tough of course we're gonna help each other for out. sure this is what we do Prairie yeah. people we just help each other out but there's just that you know that dedication to building your own community that prairie pride that we can make something out of um you know openness and uh, mm. vastness of you know uh the opportunity right mm. i can just think back to the first peoples who've gotten here and how they were able to build their lives here it's it's not a an easy climate to no. accommodate or, or to acclimatize to rather like it's not an island God, no <laughs> fruit everywhere like you you gotta put your back into it minus 30 out today how do you survive yeah. that right i could just think of of you know how many lessons we can take from our first nations people and their ability to work with the land and uh, build their communities and support each other be resourceful be resourceful like that just really strikes me as just something really core maybe it's my immigrant experience making sure. something out of nothing yep. so i just yeah just that prairie mentality um that dedication to community yep. and i thought yeah no this this would be good for me so tell me a little bit about when you were offered the job <laughs> take me to that moment was what goes through your mind is this like <clears throat> oh god where do I start or is this like I did it like what did this what went through your mind it was oh my gosh I did it yeah <laughs> I like someone pinched me I don't know is this real really? um yeah because you know you go through the process I take nothing for granted and through the entire process I'm like okay this is a good learning what could I do differently like I'm very self-aware that way I'm always looking to adjust and learn and um make some you know what would I do different yeah and yeah, it was kind of like, so we're at the end of the process, kind of hit me, and uh, you're the successful candidate hit me, and I'm like, whoa, pinch me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what? And then what ran through my mind? Okay, what am I have to do in order to make you're this like, transition You're like, I'm moving work? to Saskatchewan now. Yeah, like someone's, didn't you just let it kind of soak in? I'm like, no, the list in my mind started to pop up, and the <laughs> yeah. project manager just came through and said, okay, make a list. This yeah. is what you need to do. Timelines back it up. Right. Um, yeah, how am yeah. I going to get this done? Where's my so, calculator? Where's my calculator? Yeah, <laughs> I went into full planning mode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was excited to tell my family, but a little bit nervous. Sure. Um, and my dad was, of course, one of the first people I called. And he's like, I'm happy for you, but I'm sad. Oh. Yeah, I'm his, um, yeah, I'm his person. Yeah. Like just growing up, it was 
just you know I was I, I just hated housework so yeah. <laughs> my dad's like who wants to help outside me me take me <laughs> yeah. so you know you build a bond and um yeah and since my mom passed I've kind of been his go-to person and mm-hmm. that was a little bit tough to tell him but he says I can't hold you back Oh. this is you yeah he says who can i i can't give any advice i left my parents in portugal yeah. <laughs> came across to a different <laughs> country so how can i tell you you're not allowed to go to a next province yeah so he's like i really can't uh, say anything about that but um yeah, you're just five hours away just five hours away mm-hmm. so he was excited for me but a little bit sad and then my sister's too excited uh but a little bit sad um we had a trip planned for montreal which i think was perfect like yeah. and this trip was planned years it just everything just kind of fell into place so yeah. three days before i was supposed to arrive in Regina. I was in Montreal with my sister having one of those kind of dream vacations. We went to every museum we ever wanted to go to. My kids were like, ugh, that sounds boring. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) You know, went to fancy little cafes and, you know, we didn't even go shopping. We just wanted to take in the culture, right? We just, we just loved Montreal. So it was a a good way for us to kind of spend time together, just the sisters. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit bittersweet. Arrived in Winnipeg, literally at uh, Mm -hmm. 1.30. My older sister drove me home got out of my car it was packed and i had to hit the road and uh you know and my sister my older sister is always kind of you know typical older sister you know a little stiff upper lip you don't cry too much yeah and then we're saying our goodbyes and i'm you know she's telling me about things to do right the planner too and i look over at her and she's crying i'm like don't oh no don't do this now and she's like it's just hitting me and i'm like please don't do this and i'm talking to you mason and the tears are starting to well in my eyes so um me and my sisters are really close yeah yeah, with my mom's passing, we said, uh, you know, we are mom's biggest gift mm. is each other. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. There's a Kleenex box right there. If you Gosh, memories. Well. They're so vivid. Oh, I hear you. When <laughs> Thank m- you. My dad passed away as well, and I have one sister, and we just, it locks in a bond of like, we ha- all we have is each other now, and yeah. it becomes this... I, I don't even know how to explain it. This unspoken, I've got you forever. Siblings, you already feel like that, but it just locks you in in this like really meaningful, impactful way. So I totally understand. Absolutely. We just said we have to mother each other. Yeah. And we have to take care of dad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, you're welcome. And what a exciting, fun way to kind of close a little bit of a chapter in Winnipeg is mm-hmm. with this like climax trip in in Montreal as a yeah, way to spend awesome. some impactful time with your with your sisters. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about September twenty second. Mm-hmm. You were announced as Connexus's first ever female CEO. Yeah, the announcement goes out. Is your phone blowing up? Yeah, you were sitting on the <laughs> secret for a while. What was that like? That was um, that was good to get that out because yeah, it's it's like you know when you're on one of those shows and like hey, you are the American Idol, but you're not allowed to tell anybody. We filmed it three weeks ago. I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting on this secret. You're Kelly Clarkson. I'm Kelly Clarkson, right? (laughs) So I'm like, I can't say anything. So it was a bit of a relief. And I I wasn't uh, aware that I was the first uh, female CEO. I don't know if it didn't cross my mind or um, did I feel a sense of responsibility always? Like Mm. with the office, there's always this great sense of responsibility. Even a little bit more knowing I'm the first female. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. It just kind of hit me and thought, wow, you know, this is a big deal. And, um, I need to do the office proud. I need to do the credit union proud. And and there's this, you know, this desire in me to illustrate for women, we can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, work hard, um, do what you need to do, but it is possible. Right. Yeah. So what was it like for your face to be 
everywhere. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the sales and marketing person, but I'm usually behind. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, there I am everywhere. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit uh, humbling. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different. But I thought, oh, well, get used to it. It's just yeah. the way it's going to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking at my hair and makeup team. Wait, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I better That get, wasn't included that in the letter of offer? Included. No. My uh, sister has been my hairdresser my whole life. So okay. I feel like I've lost uh, part of that crew. Sure. But, yeah, I'm going to have to up my game. A couple more, uh, you know, YouTube videos yeah. on how to, you know, be prepared for <laughs> yeah. photos and all that kind of good sure. stuff. So, yeah, it was it was different. That's for sure. Awesome. So what was day one like at Connects as you walk through the doors? What are you feeling? What's your first area of focus? Um, I was feeling, wow, what a beautiful environment. Um, what an interesting office kind of layout. And uh, I can't wait to start meeting some people because my first week here wasn't exactly how I planned. I got sick on the way home from Montreal. Oh, you did? Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. So my first week was <laughs> working from my apartment on uh, my <laughs> laptop. Actually, the first day was on my phone sure. trying to engage in uh, different meetings and stuff to try to catch up. And I tell you, the first two days... I was trying to make notes and I, I looked back at my papers and the words were drifting Just off. I'm like, I have no idea what that <laughs> says. What was I thinking? What does that mean? Your fever is spiked and oh, you're trying to have a co crucial conversation. Totally. It yeah. was like, where am I right now? Like, you know, when you feel like you're outside or inside your own head, you're like, 100%. yeah, it was weird. It was yeah. like that. So it wasn't the first week I had hoped, but got that out of the way. Um, and I thought to myself, of course this is going to happen. Like my last two weeks were just crazy. Of course, like yeah. sleeping three hours because there's so much to do. The lists were so long. Yeah. So of course this is going to happen. But that, that was good. But my first real week was the second week. And yeah, I was just energized. I thought, I can't wait to meet everyone. Um, the space is beautiful. Um, yeah, the work environment is different than what I came from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was just like so excited to get going. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. So you're just over two months in now. Mm -hmm. What's the journey been like so far? It's been awesome. It's been uh, a lot of good learning. There are days where I kind of try to, give myself words to explain how I'm feeling. So yeah. it's like, you know, when you just start in university, you're so excited and you've got all these courses and you're going to all the courses and you're like, I have no time to do my homework. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, going to the next class. Um, I felt a little bit like that. There's yeah. just a lot happening all at once. And you're also like, where is the kin building? I don't know how to get there. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like with those things. Those things. Yeah. Where is the class? Yeah. Um, so hope I go to the right yeah. one. So yeah, there's a lot of that going on, but uh, I feel like, yeah, over than two months in starting to settle in yeah. kind of you know um folks are telling me just get through your first and then you know that's out of the way yeah and then it'll get easier and um just you know building those routines for myself sure. understanding kind of the routines of the team and just the schedule that we have um and what my role is and getting to know my team members and getting to know all the staff that's something that i'm really looking forward to so i haven't met everyone yet so mm -hmm. i do have a a schedule that uh, candace bless her heart is trying to coordinate <laughs> for yeah. me to make sure i have an opportunity to see everyone in their space like it's important for me to go out to prince albert i want to see them in their environment i want to go to Larange. um you know i, I want to go to cinemoria i want to see uh, the employees in their environment and uh, just appreciate you know how they contribute to Connexus. Awesome. So what can we expect from Selena in the future and especially as you get further integrated and acclimated at Connexus and and the province? Hmm, what can you expect from me? Um, I'm really working hard to get to know all of you. Mm. Um, this is my new community and I want to be part of that community so yeah. I'm committed to understanding um the community and being active and part of that community so yeah I'll, you'll be seeing a lot of me hopefully yeah. not just in posters and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs>
You're going to be a celebrity. Well, you know, uh, hey, um, I want to get out there. I wanna, sure. I'm eager to meet people and I, and I want to contribute to the community. Yeah. And I want to contribute to Connexus. And I'm, I'm so proud of this credit union and proud to be part of it and um, really appreciate all the good work that uh, leaders before me have, um, you know, built this credit union. And I take that with... Um, I respect that and with great care and I just want to continue to build on the yeah. momentum of others and, and our board. Like a lot of uh, foundational work, good work has been done to create the connexus of today and I'm committed to helping steward and guide that moving forward. Love that. Yeah, the bald guy that came before you was very active <laughs> in the community. So that's yeah. that's music to probably the province's ears <laughs> that you want to be just as, as involved as well. Yeah. So let's tie it all together. So you've been involved in the cooperative system for, for many years, over 25 years. What about it makes you so passionate about the industry? I just, we're committed to, I think what's important is our members. Like we're all here for our members. It's, it's different than a shareholder, right? Mm. Um, we live in the communities we serve. So um, we're accountable to them. And I feel a great sense of responsibility um, with that accountability mm. because I'm of the community and uh, want to be an active contributor. So yeah, I just love the connection we have with our members the democratic um, process, the, our cooperative principles, they just uh, speak to me of community supporting community. And yeah. um, I really value, my, there's such, such strong value alignment for me. Yeah, yeah for sure. So looking back, how has your life changed from that girl working at bootlegger, folding mm-hmm. jeans, yeah. to now? What key learnings have you learned along the way if you had to summarize how you've you've evolved as a human? Well, I'd say, dang, girl, you come a long way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From that shy kid who uh, was cleaning all the time, saying, oh, no, there's a customer I'm going to go clean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to where I I'm going to do a today. sweep. Yeah. I'm going to go sweep because that's important too, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> that keeps the lights on. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, t- it's funny. I, I just kind of keep moving forward. I don't do enough of that looking back. I just, I'm just grateful for every opportunity and I just, I work hard and uh, I just keep challenging myself and moving forward. Am I proud of myself? Sure. Um, I I think there's always been this, I wanted to give back not only to my community, but to my parents. They, they took a huge leap. They left everything that they knew to give us an opportunity. And yeah, my dad and mom said that growing up, you know, we did, we we did this for you. They reminded you. They reminded me. So, you know, don't squander the opportunity we've given you. So I always felt this desire to say, you know what, mom and dad, you made a huge commitment to come to a new country. Give us an opportunity. And I want to show you what someone can do with that opportunity mm. and give back. And uh, like my daddy said, I want you to be somebody. Um, well, you're somebody. So <laughs> I'm trying to be somebody, somebody who's still core to who I am and doesn't take anything for granted. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of somebody I want to be, um, never forgetting where I started, never forgetting it takes a village, not only to, to raise you, but to give you opportunities, right? Like, you know, it's, I didn't do this on my own. There's a, a list of people who I am grateful for, who have mentored me either formally or informally, um, that have helped me get here. And, uh, it does take a village to raise a child. And, and I've been uh, blessed to have a very strong village, um, around me, uh, you know, my personal and my professional life. I love how this theme of village and community has just been like, I'm going to use the word again, thread throughout this conversation because mm-hmm. it's so true. The power of investing in others yes. is so powerful and can make a world of difference that they may not even know what doors are opening. So that's so awesome that this is such a 
key part of your your story. Yeah, I'll give you just a really simple little example. You know, I love to tell stories. This might be the longest podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You're good. Uh, I remember I was at Cinemoin. I was in the marketing team, and I was at this conference in uh, Vancouver, and we were talking about intranets and you yeah. know how we use that as communication and all that, and all of different folks around BC and around Canada uh, were at this conference, and I met two people from. Um, from BC Hydro, mm-hmm. yeah. really interesting people. We were right. talking and stuff like that, and and they just said to me, "So, what do you do?" And you're a manager and communication and marketing. <laughs> it's uh, cinema and credit. Yeah, that's cool. No, what do you want to do? And I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm contributing." And they're like, "No, no, what do you want to do?" I said, oh, "I don't know, maybe be a VP one day, but I don't know. You know, I don't want to aim too high." They're like, "Why?" And that's not high enough. And yeah. I just met these people. I'm like, "Well, what?" Yeah. <laughs> they're like, "There's just something about you. I'd follow you." I'm like, follow me where? They're like, wherever you wanted to go. <laughs> like, and I met these people over two days. Sure. And I'm like, you're kind of scaring me. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, just when you talk, you make so much sense. Um, like, you know, you're just a participant in this learning thing. And we're learning from you just as much as we're learning from the presenter. Because you're mm. breaking it down and making it make sense for us. Like, how are we going to implement this in our organization? When you speak, you make sense. I'd follow you anywhere. Why wouldn't you want to be a CEO one day? I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's too big for me. Why? Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> The people I just met. Right. So I'm like, well, maybe. Uh, and it's just this humbling thing. Like, you know, growing up in a family of four, your dad always says, you know, who do you think you are? I'm like, oh, just a contributing member of the family. That's what I thought you were going to say. Sure. <laughs> right. So just, you know, don't forget where you started and um, don't take anything for granted. And so there's a little bit of that. Like, you know, oh, that's too big for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was mid 20s, but still, that's really too big for me. And um, they're like, why? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Like, that's it's funny how just leaning into a conversation with somebody can spark like a light bulb moment that it can change did. your perspective. Yeah. And when we talk about just get get out from behind the sweeper's desk and go talk to somebody and start that conversation, you never know what's going to spark. It could be a sale. It could be a perspective shift. It could be yeah. anything. It could yeah. be anything. So don't sell yourself short, I guess, was the message I got. Yeah. I'm just doing my thing, you know, helping yeah. out where I can be helpful and contribute. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you could do more. Know yeah, <laughs> your like, value. Wow, that was, and again, um, I was one of those teachable moments. I'm like, well, why am I kind of doing that? I yeah. don't know. Awesome. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and give a piece of advice to an earlier version of yourself, mm-hmm. when would that be and what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, going through university and life was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> the word I'm trying to find. Uh, newly married. I got married at 21. I had a house. Uh, I was in school. I'm like, what have I done? (laughs) And I thought, geez, like, there's got to be an exit strategy here. Um, I wouldn't tell myself anything different. I would just have stronger conviction to say, this is life giving you a lesson. Mm. Look at it as that and take from it what you can. Learn to manage because life is all about learning to manage. So get it figured out and it'll be worth it. Wow, that's powerful. Let's fast forward 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. When someone is looking back at the evolution of Connexus Credit Union, what do you hope stands out as, ah, yeah, that was Selena's impact right there? Mm. That was my impact. See, this, um, oh, these are really good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, largest credit union in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, that's happening. Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. You just said it. I just said it. Yeah. I don't sell myself short. Just the amount of um, good that Connexus can do as a financial institution, just to lift the community. I think that's that would be something I'd be very proud of. Just look at all the benefit that we've been able to give a hand up and help uh, our communities to grow and prosper and be sustainable mm-hmm. in the future. Um, that is something I would be very proud of. Awesome. Um, last question for you before we jump into some speed round questions. 
What are you most looking forward to as you continue on this really new and exciting journey? Journey. I'm just looking forward to all the learnings along the way (laughs) and just the exciting opportunities to build things um, as a team, as a credit union, and to better serve our members. I'm just so excited about the opportunities and um, what we have to accomplish together as a team. And Mm. I'm just excited. Yeah. Can't wait. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. This (laughs) is exciting. Um, So before we let you go, I've got some speed run questions to connect with you in a different way. So first question for you. Do you have any celebrity doppelgangers? Oh, can you define doppelganger? So someone that <laughs> so someone that says you look exactly like that person. Did you know this? Oh, Has anybody ever told you? Yes, I get Salma Hayek a lot. Oh yeah, totally. Can you see that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm like, gee, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> she's beautiful. <laughs> Salma Hayek is the person that you never want to be in the movie, but when she is, you're like, I like this person. I know. Yeah. yeah you, do you remember that movie, Fools Rush In? No, I haven't okay, seen that it's, one. It's kind of a culture clash. Like okay. he's Presbyterian. <laughs> okay. She's Hispanic and Catholic. And yeah, it's just how the families kind of clash. And, you know, that was my husband and my experience. Okay. So, like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, sure. yeah. So that's a, a movie that always comes to mind. Awesome. Yeah. Selma. Awesome. Selma. Um, next question for you. What's a memory you play in your head often? You know, it's just the time we spent with my grandmother. She just loved the outdoors. And um, she would get all of her kids to come out to Winnipeg Beach (laughs) on a Sunday every single weekend in the summer to force us to hang out as a family and to just be outside, enjoy nature. She loved to cook outside. She Mm. loved to clean outside. Like, she just loved being outside. And she forced that kind of coming together so that I grew up with my cousins and they're like sisters to me mm-hmm. and brothers. So just kind of building that tightness of community. And her concern was back home, they were a village, like they were houses away and we were all in different areas of the city and you know, that distance was growing and she's like, not on my watch. Mm-hmm. No way. We're going to be a family and you guys are going to do this. Awesome. So I do remember those times are so fun. Awesome. Wants you to be outside, just not in winter. Just time. not winter. No, no, that's just crazy. <laughs> You're gonna die out there. <laughs> you will. <laughs> uh, what have you learned about boys since having two of your own? Oh, big feelings. Yeah. Mm. Some people say, "Oh, you know, boys so easy." Mm, not really. Yeah. <laughs> they just express their feelings in different ways. So, coming from a household of all girls, um, boys are different. They have big feelings too. It's just how they express and their need for independence is huge and I can appreciate that, that need for independence. So as a mom, um, that's been some good learning and understanding where to give them a little bit of space, but still being there to guide them because they are still just kind of young. Well, they're older kids, but they're still kids. They need that guidance. So they really feel a need to be independent and learning to balance that and give them space, but still be there to guide. That was, yeah, that's what I've learned. Cool. Um, next question. The weirdest thing you did as a kid. Oh, the weirdest thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's been some weird things. Um, I remember my sister and I took apart a wagon. I don't know why we did it. <laughs> and we turned it into all sorts of things. It was on its last legs. It was, yeah. And sure. then we tried to put it back together again. We just did stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, why do we do that? Because you have to put it back because now it's not a wagon. Well, maybe it could be a, you know, a tray or yeah. <laughs> wheels. I don't know. Yeah. We used to do stuff like that. We just get into a bit of capers and like, yeah. uh-oh, now what? <laughs> it could be a, a boat for our shared Barbie. It could yeah, be a, right? a number of different things. We're just curious. And, yeah. you know, were we getting into trouble? 
we were curious. I don't yeah. know. And then we were just panicked. Oh no, we have to put it all back. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the best way to learn about things, right? Is to take it apart and we put it back together. We take stuff apart. Yeah. 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 We do that all the time. Awesome. What kind of person are you on vacation? Oh, oh, my husband would say, I don't know how to have fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you the planner? I'm the planner. Yeah. yeah. And trying to keep people on schedule. And my husband's a good counterbalance. He's more like chill. But I, I'm almost I'm the type that I have it planned because I want to get the, the most out of this experience. Yeah. Right? I didn't come here to sleep in a hotel. I want right. to do stuff. So I'm that kind of traveler. Um, once we've kind of accomplished something for the day, I could chill. Yeah. Um, that's why going to Montreal with my sisters was so good. We're all the same. We're all the planners in our household. <laughs> right. So we're like, we totally get each other. This is a fantastic You're handing vacation. handing out itineraries. Oh, yeah. yes. We're high-fiving. <laughs> we did all this. And now we're going to go for a nice dinner. For we're, sure. We're going to hang. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm the planner. So my husband's like, you could be a little more chill. But awesome. I like to get the most out of the experience. Yeah. yeah. The worst Christmas present you've ever received. Oh, the worst Christmas present I ever received. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of them. I got a, you know, I always got something. Yeah. The worst one. Oh, I got socks one year. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. And oranges and. Uh, oranges? Yeah. Because, you know, those were like my parents, they got nuts and oranges. Like that was a big deal. They couldn't get those kind of things. Oh. So they were like, you know, you can never be ungrateful because that was just, that was totally rude. And yeah. you, know, you just didn't do that. But I got a doll one year and I'm like, meh. Yeah. I didn't like dolls that much. Right. I'm like, where's a calculator? <laughs> I want another Barbie, I not just a, any doll. Yeah, it was a doll. It was like, okay. And yeah, my older sister was more excited. I'm like, you can have it. Yeah. And she's like, do you want what I have? I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I just wasn't that much into dolls. I wanted things to like play with that could kind of, I don't know, like a calculator or I, <laughs> one year I got like fake dishes. I love them. Okay. I just made them, like, I turned one into a Frisbee because, you know, it was round. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to multi, multi-use multi of my <laughs> presents. So yeah. it's just a doll. There's only so much you can do with right. that. Right. But dishes, you know, I can turn it into, like, a steering wheel I did with one of the dishes. Yeah. I made Barbie furniture out of cups. Like, sure. you know, I, I could do something with that. Probably one of the funnest gifts I got was an old G.I. Joe van that my cousins gave me. I okay. love that thing. Now Barbie had wheels. <laughs> She was, yeah, she was too big for it, but she rode on top. Barbie can get around. This is awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. G.I. Joe all over it, but, you know, I put stickers to cover that up. Barbie like, is in the army now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's tough. Yeah. She's got she's got attitude, and she's, you know, she's cute. Yeah, love but that. don't mess with Barbie. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite gift. It was a hand-me-down. You never know, right? That's right. Uh, last question for you. It's the name of the podcast, What Connects Us? The desire to take care of one another. Uh, the desire when we see... Um, someone hurting to want to help them. I think of the horrible things that are happening in the Ukraine and us as a community and as a people welcoming people here mm -hmm. when they're scared, fleeing everything that they know is the immigrant experience and being here for one another. That's what connects us at the human level. Yeah. Love that answer. Yeah. Selena, I know you have so many different meetings and conversations to have in your first couple of months here. So thank you so much for taking some time. You said very early on in this podcast that two things that you value is transparency and authenticity. And we got that in spades with you today. We cried at times, <laughs> we laughed at times, but we also got to some really cool lessons that we've learned in your origin story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I think a lot of us are really excited to see what the future has for not just Connexus, but for you at Connexus as well. So thank you so much for, for sharing your life with us today. Thank you, Mason. It was a pleasure. Thank you. 
Well, that's it for our chat with Selena and for this season of the What Connects This podcast. If you've taken value from this episode, please do us a favor, hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. Thank you so much for listening. It truly means the world. Let's connect soon. Thank you.